Hey, future fans, it's a new week, and that means new movies. We have six movies coming out this weekend. Some of them look pretty good, but let's not waste any time because we have a lot of news, and I do mean a lot. It's the week of February 3rd, 2017, and you're listening to episode 28 of Future Flicks with Billiam. So let's start with the unfortunate passings uh, since I last recorded. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore died at the age of 80 on the 25th. Uh, She passed away from cardiopulmonary arrest complicated by pneumonia. Also on the 25th, actor John Hurt passed away. He was 77 years old. Uh, He was, of course, the war doctor from Doctor Who, as well as Kane and Alien. He was also in movies like Snowpiercer and V for Vendetta. The list of Oscar snubs and surprises, with uh, sarcastic air quotes, is in all this in the opinion of those at IMDb. Apparently, Amy Adams got snubbed, but I would have been more surprised if she got a nod. Uh, She was good in Arrival, but the role just wasn't that good. So it's another case of her being good, but what she was given to work with wasn't good. Uh, Mel Gibson is nominated for Hacksaw Ridge, which is only right. Crazy or not, it was a great movie and he deserves to be credited for it. Uh, IMDb thought Scorsese got snubbed for Silence, but it was a lackluster movie, so no shock there. Scorsese does great work, but I just think trying to turn such a big book into a movie was doomed from the beginning. Suicide Squad got a nomination for makeup. Ooh, makeup. I'm sorry, that's mean. Uh, (laughs) That was mainly in response to how big of a deal people have been making this. It's like, of course, there was great makeup, great costume design in this movie. Just because some comic book movie gets Oscar nods doesn't mean you have to go bat crazy over it. Uh, Deadpool got no nominations, which doesn't surprise me, because remember, folks... The Oscars, more than any other awards show, is a money game. And Deadpool didn't have a lot of money. Finding Dory didn't get any nominations, but that's not surprising as it was woefully mediocre. Moana and Zootopia both got nods, and that's because they were better movies. If you've been living under a rock, you may not have heard that Star Wars Episode Eight has a title now. It's called The Last Jedi. This title kind of leaves me cold and got a pained sigh from my friend who's an ever-worried Star Wars fan. As a somewhat nerdy Facebook page pointed out, The Last Jedi can be singular and plural. So who is slash are the Jedi? No idea. We can, of course, take educated guesses, but if if, uh, Disney's going to introduce more, that we don't know. In other news, Martin Freeman joins the cast of Black Panther, reprising his role as Everett Ross. He joins Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Denai Gurria, and Lupita Nyong'o, and Forrest Whitaker. The Razzie nominations are in... And Zoolander 2 and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice lead the Razzie Awards in most nominations. Zoolander 2 has 9 and Batman v Superman has 8. Other bad news for DC, the Flash movie has been taken off the release schedule. It is no longer set for 2018. Why, you may ask? Well, according to BirthMoviesDeath.com, this movie has lost three directors and is now directorless 
because of that third. Also, writer Joby Harold has been hired to do a page one rewrite, which is basically a fancy term for starting over. Uh, early rumblings about Wonder Woman say it's going to be a terrible movie while all of this is going down with a flash. The future doesn't look good for DC films. Perhaps they should stick to TV. It's what they're good at. Ben Affleck's latest movie, Live by Night, flopped so hard it resulted in a $75 million loss. This, according to Variety's Brett Lang. Warner Brothers didn't comment when asked if this will affect Affleck's plans to direct a standalone Batman film. In Affleck's defense, Live by Night was a good movie. It was just sold terribly. And finally in the news... According to Hollywood Reporter, Universal won a bidding war to get the rights for Michael Bay's next movie called Little America, where America goes bankrupt and China calls in its debts. A former soldier is hired by a Chinese billionaire to get into an American ghetto, like an actual ghetto, not just a poor neighborhood, and get his daughter back. See, this could be interesting because you've, you've heard me mention this before on the podcast that I believe, and a lot of us at Somewhat Nerdy believe, that Michael Bay's only good movies are The Rock and Bad Boys. And these, are, these were original ideas. They weren't based off, off anything else. So his terrible movies are all movies that he does based on comic books, cartoons, toys, what have you, Ninja Turtles and Transformers. Like those movies are awful. This could be good. Maybe this is what Michael Bay needs to do is stay away from remakes and all that stuff. Of course, maybe this could be garbage because it's Michael Bay. We'll find out. All right, folks, let's move right into the first movie of the week. And what is that first movie? What is it? It is the first of two horror movies this week. This movie is called Rings. A woman gets sent an email with a video attachment. That's pretty scary right there. After watching the video, she's cursed and only has seven days left to live. This stars Vincent D'Onofrio from Daredevil, Laura Wiggins from Shameless, Johnny Galecki from Roseanne, because I refuse to acknowledge Big Bang Theory, and Amy Teagarden from the Friday Night Lights TV show. My God, Hollywood, stop it. The American version of the Ring movies were terrible, and I'm pretty sure you got lucky with this one because it doesn't look awful. If another country does a horror movie, Hollywood, you should walk away. You can't do it as well. You'll try to make it all Hollywood-esque and, and make it turn into an American horror movie, which is different. If you've noticed, when countries release horror movies, they're different. They have different styles to them. So you'll just try to Americanize it and ruin it. I'm not saying American horror is terrible. American horror is great, all right? American horror is fantastic. But when they take an idea that another country does, like the Japanese-style Japanese style movies, or uh, what else was there? Uh, Let the Right One In, I think was one of them, and these others. And then they try to make it for American audiences. It kind of ruins it, because the movies lose something in translation. I may have ranted about this a time or two on the podcast or my blog, but about the American style of movies and how it just doesn't work. That was the case with Ringu versus The Ring and Ju On versus The Grudge. The only good thing about The Grudge was Sarah Michelle Gellar. That is the only reason I will even consider watching it again, is because I like her. There's always room for Buffy. Uh, this one looks interesting, though, because it looks like Hollywood is now doing its own thing, but with an existing franchise. So I'm not, I'm not holding my breath, though. So, so it looks like they're not trying to recreate the Ring movies like they did previously. It looks like they're, they're taking this idea, this idea of a cursed video, 
and this, you know, dead child who comes to get you and then doing their own thing with it. And I, I kind of like that. I, I'm, I'm ready to like this movie and I, I want to watch it. Uh, this style of horror looks less Asian and more modern American, and it may have some of the elements of the first movie, but it looks like they're going for a James Wan-style movie. I am more interested in this one than I have been for any of the others, and I am going to watch this one, it's just not in theaters. Rings gets a 7 out of 11. And the second out of the two horror movies this week is a movie called Eloise. Jacob's father dies and leaves him a million dollars. But there's a catch. Jacob's aunt had been admitted to an insane asylum, and there was no record of what happened to her. Before Jacob can get the money, he has to find proof of his aunt's death. So he grabs four of his friends, and together they break into the abandoned insane asylum to find a death certificate. This stars Chance Crawford from Gossip Girl, Eliza Dushku from True Lies, Brandon T. Jackson from Percy Jackson, Robert Patrick from Terminator 2, and P.J. Byrne from Final Destination 5. So, class, what have we learned in horror school? Don't move into a new house that's priced way too good to be true. Don't use Ouija boards. And if getting your inheritance depends on you staying the night in or visiting some creepy-ass place, just continue being broke and stay alive. This looks like a house on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts had a beautiful, beautiful baby. I'm stoked for this one. I really want to see it, but I don't think I'm going to be able to make the time to see it. For each of the next five weeks, including this week, my pick looks like something I'm going to want to see and I will actually make time for. So that means I won't exactly have time for this. This doesn't quite feel like a modern horror. This actually feels like a late 90s, early 2000s horror movie, like the two movies I mentioned earlier, House on Haunted Hill, the, the remake, of course, and 13 Ghosts, which I believe was a remake. I think 13 Ghosts was a remake. Oh, no, no, no. There, there was just another movie about with the same name. I forget. I'll ask Roz. But anyway, this doesn't look like the modern style horror movie, like the James Wan style horror movie, as mentioned earlier uh, in Rings. I know I'm going to like this movie, but for you, my future fans, ask yourself, did you like those horror movies like the House on Haunted Hill remake? Did you like those? Movies that were a little more blatant, that didn't have all of those jump scares. I had some, of course, but not didn't rely on them. All of the ghosts were in your face. So did you like movies like that? Then you might like this. This looks good, but skippable in theaters. Eloise gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my friends. We have one movie left before the break, and that movie is Journey to the West, The Demons Strike Back. The monk Tang Seng takes Sun Wukong and his companions on a journey to the west to hunt demons. Everything seems okay on the outside, but on the inside they're starting to falter as a group. Will they come together to complete their quest, or will they fall apart? This is a sequel to the Chinese movie Journey to the West, so you've probably never even seen it. Although there's a good chance you're familiar with the story. This is the story of a monk who's on a journey to on the west to defeat a great evil and enlists the help of the Monkey King, as well as a couple of demons. The names differ depending on who's telling it. The original name of the Monkey King is Sun Wukong, but it's changed to Son Goku in a couple animes, including Dragon Ball and all the subsequent sequels, and the anime Sayuki. The names of the Buddhist monk change, too, but Goku is the one I'm mentioning because he's the most famous example of a name change. Uh, Tang Seng is the one 
or is the name this movie gives him, but uh, he's also been called Sanzo in, in some other tellings. And also in some other tellings, Sanzo is a title, not a name. So that's let's throw that in there just to make things extra confusing. Uh, this is a goofy kung fu movie, and that means it's at least going to be entertaining. Good? Probably not. Fun? You bet. Uh, just like with all the foreign movies, this is going to be really hard to find in theaters. But you know what I always say? Even if it was in theaters, this is the best movie suited for home. When you take ticket price, snacks, travel time, and travel costs into account, in a lot of cases, it's a better deal to wait and buy a movie and cheaper yet to stream it. You know, my friends always just pirate things, and sure, you could do that. I'm not going to judge you for it. I, I don't do that, though. If I want to see it, I do it the right way. When I was younger, I would pirate shit all the time, but now I don't. The, the last thing I pirated was a few years back, two years ago to be exact, and the only reason I did it is because I wanted to write a review, because I knew I had to write a review, but I didn't want to give them any of my money. I won't tell you the title, but all I can say is I only needed to see one shade of it to see that it was shit. Back to this movie, though. Uh, this looks like I'd enjoy it a lot, but what I'll do is forget about this movie, and years later, years later, when they complete the trilogy, uh, something will remind me. Uh, something will remind me that I wanted to see these movies. I'll find the box set cheap on Amazon or eBay or in a bargain bin somewhere, and I'll watch them and enjoy them. But I'm not going to see any of these in theaters, no matter how good they look. So let me reiterate, this movie looks fun, but fun you can have at home. Journey to the West, The Demons Strike Back, gets a 7 out of 11. Well, my friends, it is time for our break and a word from our good, good friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. I'll be right back. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back, folks, so let's jump right into it with a documentary called I Am Not Your Negro. This is a documentary about the relations with blacks in America, as told using the words of James Baldwin's unfinished book, Remember This House. The book that he started to work on after the assassinations of his three friends, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Medgar Evers, and Malcolm X. This is narrated by the great Samuel L. Jackson and has footage from the race wars in the time of King as well as the Black Lives Matter movement. This also includes some interviews with James Baldwin himself. This is going to be a heavy, heavy movie. This is going to show actual footage from those hateful times in our past. You already know if you are going to see this in theaters. So my recommendation, my recommendation if you're not already stoked for this, is to wait and watch it at home. It's going to be a powerful movie, and we unfortunately still need movies like this because we still need a reminder. This movie could have could have just been a look back, a glance into the past, had things turned out differently, but we're still not there yet. This movie is unfortunately still topical. Race shouldn't matter anymore. 
We should all just be people. We should be proud of who we are and where we came from, but we should be people and treat each other based on our actions. But race still matters for the wrong reasons, so we need movies like this to remind us of the important lessons the mistakes of our past were supposed to teach us. This is going to be a good movie, and the only thing I worry about is if it will be fair. Will it at least acknowledge that we have come a long way? We still have a long way to go. A long, long way to go. But we've also come far. So will the overall feeling of the movie be one of shame and doom, or will it leave us on a bittersweet note telling us that we've done some good, but we just have to keep getting better? I'm going to leave it at that for now, and just give you my score. I Am Not Your Negro gets an 8.5 out of 11. We have one more movie before my pick, and that movie is The Comedian. Aging insult comic Jackie Burke has to do community service for hitting a spectator who was recording him. At that community service, he meets a younger woman and the two grow close as Jackie Career gets an unexpected jump in popularity after a video of one of his small shows hits the internet. This stars Robert De Niro, Leslie Mann from Knocked Up, Danny DeVito from Batman Returns, Cloris Leachman from Raising Hope, Harvey Keitel from Reservoir Dogs, Edie Falco from Nurse Jackie, and Billy Crystal from Analyze This. This is directed by Taylor Hackford, who directed movies like Ray, The Devil's Advocate, and Blood In, Blood Out. This is based on a story by Art Linson, who was a producer on Sons of Anarchy. This looks like a dark dramedy. Not dark in the same way of movies like The Cable Guy was, but dark in the sense that there's a real feeling to it. It feels like this could actually happen. There's still a, there's still a movie element to it, where just the right things come together to make the story interesting, but the struggle Jackie goes through is a real one. Just think of stand-up comics from the 80s or 90s. Where are they now? They're either famous enough to still make a good living, like Billy Crystal, Jerry Seinfeld, Whoopi Goldberg, Ellen DeGeneres, or they're so far out of the spotlight that they might as well be manning it. A movie like this is a testament to the changing times. I just finished listening to Billy Crystal's autobiography, and the names he dropped in it may be legends, but your average person this day won't know who they are. Your average younger person, that is. Uh, Johnny Carson was a master of comedy, but if he played now, if he had a show now, did stand-up or got his show back, I think his audience would be much smaller, because the mainstream tasting comedy has changed. That's why this story is so real. Jackie Burke was a has-been until one of his shows went viral. This movie will be dark because he'll be a spark in the dark and go back to working gigs at small clubs. De Niro has a way with comedy. He's learned his stuff in Analyze This with Billy Crystal, who showed him the comedy ropes, and he never forgot what he learned. Uh, some people give De Niro because they claim he phones it in. And I can see why people say that. But you know what? He's still good. He just doesn't go for roles that challenge him anymore. And I think he's earned it. He's not bad at all. He's still great. He just wants to keep acting. That's it. Leslie Mann is fantastic, and there's no one else I would rather see play opposite De Niro. Maybe Kate McKinnon. Maybe Melissa McCarthy. Maybe. This is already getting bad reviews, but I think it has a lot to do with the critics being horrible at their jobs. And the other part is dumbasses on the internet judging and rating a movie based only on the trailer. At the end of the day, this looks like a good movie, but a good drama with comedic undertones. If you want to see a comedy, then see something else. If you want to see an interesting movie, then see this. But probably at home. The Comedian gets an 8 out of 11.
Alright folks, it is time for the final movie tonight, the last movie, which means it's my pick. So what do I have for my pick this week? It's The Space Between Us. Gardner is the first human born on Mars, and he wants, more than anything, to go to Earth. He does so and finds himself unable to leave the facility where they are studying his reactions to Earth's gravity. He escapes to find the girl he had been chatting with online, and the two go explore a world that we know so well, but is so foreign to him. This stars Asa Butterfield from Ender's Game, Brett Robertson from Tomorrowland, Carla Gugino from Night at the Museum, Gary Oldman from Leon the Professional, and B.D. Wong from Jurassic Park. Not to be confused with Jurassic Bark. And now you're sad. You're welcome. This looks like a brilliant idea, and from what I can tell, it's an original idea. I couldn't find any information on it being based off anything. No short stories, no books, no comic books. And so, I'm way behind this. But you know what? I could be wrong. There could be some obscure short story that my Google Foo failed to pick up on. So if I'm wrong, let me know. You know how to reach me. But otherwise, this looks like an original idea, and I love it. The Space Between Us looks like it's a drama first with a subcategory of sci-fi. And I think it's brilliant. I'm going to say that word again. Brilliant. It's a brilliant idea to show how wonderful Earth is by showing it through the eyes of a boy born on another planet. Stuff we take for granted every day will be the most amazing thing he's ever seen. Of course, this movie still borders on the fantastical, even in the scenes that take place on Earth. Like, in the trailer, it shows a plane being stolen and the two kids flying off in that. There are a million different reasons that can't happen in real life. But you know what? You're watching a movie, so it's okay! I have a feeling that this is going to have an ending kind of like Forever Young. You know, that movie back from 1992 with Mel Gibson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Elijah Wood, written by a young Jeffrey Abrams, soon to be J.J. Abrams. Now, that's a movie where Mel Gibson gets cryogenically frozen and he awakes in 1992, but time is running out. His body starts to age rapidly, so he wants to find the woman he left behind. So as everything's going to hell for him, he has to go find her. I think it's going to kind of have an ending like that movie had, where it will be bittersweet. Because I, I really don't see this having a, a full-on happy ending. It could. I could be completely wrong on this. Lord knows I've been wrong before. But I think this ending is going to be bittersweet. I really do. All information that I've received from watching the trailers makes me think it is going to be bittersweet. So just be prepared for that. My fear with this is that no one's going to see it because this really hasn't been pushed that much. I haven't seen many ads for it outside of the theater. Every time I've seen an ad for it, it's been right before a movie. Because, you know, that's where trailers are and all that. But I haven't seen any on TV. I haven't seen anything in magazines. Because I don't really count Empire and Total Film because those are movie magazines. So uh, I've seen stuff in those. But other than that, this hasn't been sold very well. And I think that a lot of movies are suffering from that very, very bad advertising. Like, what's with the movies these days? Did people blow their whole load on the budget so there's nothing left to throw a couple trailers somewhere? So my fear for them, not for me, because I'm still going to see this, but my fear for the people who made this movie is that no one's going to see it because it has been pushed enough. And if someone did see a trailer, maybe it's not going to be impressive enough for them to warrant a theatered visit. Like, where's the hype machine for this? 
Where's Trailer Man? God damn it, Trailer Man. Why don't you make a trailer for a good movie once in a while, you piece of February 3rd is actually a really good week for movies. Every movie that's coming out this week, I want to see. And I'm not sure if that's happened before. I really don't. But The Space Between Us is the one that wins my pick of the week. And I think that's the movie that if you see a movie this week, if you see something in theaters and it has to be a new movie, then this is what you see. Asa Butterfield is a fantastic actor. And I think he's only going to show us better and better performances because he, he's 19 now, but he still looks really young. He can still play a really young kid, which I guess is good for him because when I was in high school or, you know, early college, 19 and all early college, I had friends that were already losing their hair. So this kid doesn't have anything to worry about, but I think it's going to be a little longer until he gets adult roles, like truly adult roles, just because we're so used to him in roles like Hugo. Ender's Game, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, and all of those movies. So as I was saying, got off topic again. Well, kind of, it was kind of on topic, wasn't it? It was still about an actor in the movie. So there we go. Good job, me. Good job for staying on topic. <laughs> but The Space Between Us is my pick of the week. I think it's going to be a really good movie. Is it going to be great? No. And that's what I, that's what I hope all of you remember. When I talk about a mo when I give my score, even if it's a 10 out of 11 or 11 out of 11, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great, like award-winning. It just means it's going to be enjoyable. And I think that's what this movie is. Are many people going to remember this come, come awards time next year? No, I really don't think so. But this is going to be fun. And people who see this are going to enjoy it. And so stay tuned for a review from me. But for now, let me give you my score. The Space Between Us gets a 10 out of 11. I want to touch on something really quick. The awesome nerds at Somewhat Nerdy Radio responded to me calling them out during the Future Flicks Awards. The latest episode of the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast came out, and I was just listening to it earlier, and it's really good. They, they do great work, and I, I really wish I could... I had some nerds around me who I can get to do a podcast with me, but all of my friends suck. But they posed a question to me about what I think of Paul Feig, or Paul Feig, I believe. If I think Paul Feig was bullied as a kid just because a lot of his movies have characters who have been bullied. And I, I think maybe he did, may, or maybe he was, but the only information I could find was he did an article, or Cinema Blend did an article about Paul Feig and bullies in the geek community. And Feig was really passionate about that. He wrote this big letter and posted it on Twitter, or linked to it on Twitter, of course, you know, 140 characters, all that jazz. But he he, he posted a link on Twitter to it. And I, I kind of think it's one of his subconscious subconscious messages. Just like how he's a he's been called an accidental feminist, with, uh, with air quotes on that. Just because he does all these movies with primarily female casts. So I think his dealing with, or, or having characters that have been bullied, just like his having movies that are pr primarily female casts, just happens to be something that hap that he does. And on the podcast, they also mentioned that uh, they didn't like they didn't like uh, Ghostbusters because they thought it was a bad movie. And like I've mentioned, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun movie. It wasn't a great movie, but I think it was it was one of those movies that was bad, but people still enjoy it. Kind of like Batman and Robin. Remember the George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell Batman movie? God, that movie was terrible. But I still put it on like once a year. And I sit back, I enjoy it. Ghostbusters had a million things wrong with it. Um, 
a ton of things wrong with it, but I don't know. I guess I just liked it. I've been known to like terrible movies. I'm going to tell you all a terrible movie that a bunch of you probably liked. The Wicker Man. The Nicolas Cage version. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. (laughs) I don't know. I had a point, but I lost it. See, this is what happens when I go completely unscripted. I didn't even make make my regular reminder notes like I do for this part. I just started talking. For some reason, improv is easier than this. I don't know why. Well, future fans, that is it. That is it for the week of February 3rd. That is it for episode 28 of Future Flicks. So always, as always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. I couldn't do this without you. So without further ado, let's get into the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and any podcast listening app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I'd love five stars. I'm not going to lie. I would love that. Or give me a like or share the podcast. Leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And saying that, how do you reach me? Great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm Billiam, S-W-N. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Are you on Instagram? So am I. I'm Billiam underscore S-W-N. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also the Watch Your Mouth podcast, a great podcast and a great swearity. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans. Please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.